You're listening to Engage, the podcast for Delta pilots. Today's guest, Sean Kellett, Scheduling Committee Chairman, and Frank Wedding, Scheduling Committee Vice Chairman. Here's your host, Ryan Argenta. Welcome back to yet another episode of Engage, the podcast for Delta pilots. Here again with Sean Kellett, the Chairman of the Scheduling Committee, and Frank Wedding, the Vice Chairman of the Scheduling Committee. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Ryan. A lot of contract changes in scheduling, obviously, and June 1st presents a mile marker with implementation of the contract. And I want to get that information out to the pilot group because there's some significant changes and some significant happenings going on in scheduling and in your world. Um, So let's kick it off with the June implementation in Section 23 scheduling. Sean, kick it off. A lot happening in June, a lot of different changes. We like to call that moving people's cheese when we change things significantly. And just a little plug for our schedule alerts, we do publish a scheduling alert and it will tell you exactly what's going to happen in June, for example, and exactly how that affects you. So if you subscribe to the association's emails, you'll get that. But if not, then you'll have to log on to the NEC website and you can view all of those. They're also on your tablets as well. So you have access across the board to those, but definitely some good changes coming in June. I would say probably the two biggest ones are the rotation coverage. It's going from same day, next day to now it's going to be same day, next day, second day. So it essentially extends the manual award and assignment process for 24 hours, as well as 18 hour call up for reserve, 18 hour minimum call up for long call pilots now. Yeah, those are some big changes. Let's start with the rotation coverage sequence. So now this is two days prior, a crew scheduling is going to manually award and assign open time. Is that right? That is correct. So right now, and this is going to begin, by the way, that the, the initial dates are going to blow everybody's mind, but on May 31st, crew scheduling is going to begin manual trip coverage for June 2nd, because June 2nd is the beginning of the June bid period. And why is that? Does that change help the company? Does it help us both? No, it's something that we asked for. It does a little bit for the company in the way that they're able to now get rotations out of open time. So essentially clean up open time. But the reality is it doesn't make any more available. So if you were not available two days in advance, you're still not going to be available three days in advance. It provides predictability to the pilots. Now you may know nearly three days in advance if you're assigned something. So if you're a commuter, you can set up your commutes accordingly. You can breathe a little bit easier because we're going to talk about when you're released into rest for these things. And it's not just reserve assignments. It's also awards as well. So you could be awarded a white slip. If you have a white slip request in three days out, a green slip. If you have a green slip request, you could get a green slip. I keep saying three days, but it's really 64 hours out. So there's a lot of benefits to the pilots with us extending that. And that's actually also one of the catalysts to us being able to successfully negotiate the 18 hour long call window call out for reserve pilots as well. Okay. So theoretically, if you see an open time rotation that reports in two days, so on May 31st, you see something that's departing on June 2nd and you're like, oh, that looks pretty good. I'm going to put in a white slip. As long as it's prior to the first PCS run, which is at 7 a.m. Eastern, well, that, and then I got to caveat that because then you have to say yes to award second day flying, right? Right. That's a great way to tee it up. But let me talk through how the process works. The only difference with the new contract is same day, next day. So currently same day, next day, 
are handled manually beyond next day is PCS. Starting June 2nd, really on May 31st, but for June 2nd, same day next day and second day are manual and beyond second day is gonna be PCS. And when I say PCS, this is the part that's probably gonna be the most difficult for the pilots to wrap their heads around because conceptually it was very difficult to negotiate this and to implement it. They're going to be the same PCS runs. So still no earlier than 7, 12, 5, and 10 p.m. Eastern time, right? No earlier. But now the PCS runs are going to be doing things slightly differently. So the manual award process starting on June 2nd will be same day, next day, second day. And if and when you have a manual award or an assignment, you cannot change that assignment at all via a PCS function. Meaning once you're manually awarded something or assigned, you can't use PCS for a personal drop, an authorized personal drop, an IVD, swap of the pot. You can't swap. Essentially, anytime you're awarded something or assigned something under the manual trip cover, manual steps of cover, you cannot manipulate it via PCS. But all the other PCS functions remain intact. So for example, if you're trying to do X-day moves, if you're trying to something that's awarded via PCS, you can now manipulate those via PCS with swap of the pots and things like that. It, so the thing that's going to be the most difficult for pilots to, to initially understand is that there are limitations for their manual award or assignments that PCS will now not let them do, which is the same in the same currently, by the way. If you're currently for same day next day awarded or assigned something manually, you also can't manipulate it via PCS. So it's the exact same rules. That rule is just extended 24 hours. Okay. So I think this is starting to make sense. And then let me ask to cut through the mustard and ask two questions, but it sounds like under the new contract, let's say on May 31st, you have a white slip in for a particular trip that departs on June 2nd. You are then awarded that through manual trip coverage. And the next morning you wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to try to drop this trip. I don't actually want it. You're not going to be able to do that because the system is locked out. That is correct. So let's say you've picked up a white slip from five days from now. So in Sean's example, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, let's say you pick up something on PCS for Friday. So it has not gone through manual coverage, but you decide that you want to drop it on second day coverage. You'll still be able to do that via APD PDX day as long as you did not pick up that rotation during manual steps of coverage. Make sense? So far, yes. So let me try to cut through this. If I want a green slip, can I be awarded a green slip theoretically two days prior to departure? Yeah. If I want a white slip, theoretically, can I be awarded a white slip two days prior to departure? Yeah. If I'm on long call reserve, can I be assigned a trip two days prior to departure? Yeah, because they've gone to manual steps of coverage. So now they're running 23N of the coverage ladder. So yes. Okay. You are still going to have those, shall we say, closer in rotations that just pop up. Those will need rotations that pop up and they will still be assigned mainly just like they are now. But the goal here is to clear out open time two days out as much as possible to stabilize pilot schedules to give them the maximum opportunity to pick up additional flying or to stabilize reserve schedules 
and allow their commutability to be stabilized. And Ryan, okay. if I may, let me just pile on what Frank said is exactly right. And so let me pile on a little bit more of, of quality of life improvements that we've added in here as well. Let's say you're a reserve pilot. You can be assigned something now 64 hours out in advance, as long as it's all on reserve on call days. And we'll assume that all those rules have been met for this. Right. They give you an assignment for two or three days in advance. You maintain an on-call status until you get within 24 hours of the scheduled report of that rotation, at which point you are automatically released, even if that's an on-call day. So essentially you get an entire day off, even if that entire day is an on-call day before the schedule report of your assigned rotation. So not only do you have the predictability of knowing potentially nearly three days in advance that you, you have something, you're also automatically released within 24 hours of that. Now, okay. does that preclude them from, if, like Frank said, there are rotations that fall into open time. A pilot might call in sick. The crew tracking might create a will need. There, there's rotations that pop into open time. And these are the concepts that are tangentially related. That pops into open time today or tomorrow under the new rules. Crew scheduling must award or assign those rotations as they become known. So let's say something pops into open time right now. Well, for long call pilot, you now have a minimum of 18 hour call up. So the new rules are crew scheduling assigns you something as a reserve pilot outside of 24 hours. Then as soon as you get at the 24 hour mark to the schedule report, you're automatic released. You don't have to request it. Crew scheduling is not going to call you. You're automatically released, which means you have zero obligation to the company with the exception of reporting as scheduled for that rotation 24 hours later. If it's inside of 24 hours, but never less than 18 with one exception, then you are automatically released at the time in which crew scheduling notifies you and you acknowledge that assignment. With one exception, that is if you requested yellow slip or green slip, and then all limits are off, right? Because you're requesting, you're essentially voluntarily proffering your contractual protections and you're volunteering to fly inside of that. But assuming that doesn't happen, then it should never be inside of 18. That's a lot. This is going to create a lot of questions. So walk me through this. I'm a long call reserve pilot. I have five days of availability. I'm on an X day. Today's Thursday. They are running manual steps of coverage to Saturday because we're into Thursday. So now I know that tonight I'm going to check my schedule. Yep. So you'll check your schedule and let's say they've assigned you a rotation that reports Saturday on your on-call day. Okay. They've assigned you a rotation that reports Saturday at 5 a.m. Now, remember your first on-call day is Friday, but they've assigned you a rotation that reports Saturday at 5 a.m. Right. Tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., you are automatically released into rest for 24 hours. They can't call you. They can't assign anything to you. You are automatically released until Saturday morning at 5 a.m. This gives you the opportunity to do anything you want, you know, your quality of life, whether it's commuting up, being with your family, whatever it is you want to do without having to worry about scheduling, changing your schedule. Okay. So now I know Saturday, 5 a.m. show, and I can say, hey, let's change the plans we had for Saturday afternoon. Let's do it tomorrow, Friday night. What if through scheduling now, something touches open time for tomorrow and I'm on call tomorrow and let's say everything meets, can they remove me from my Saturday trip and put me on the trip tomorrow? 
So if a pilot maintains an on-call obligation, and let's say they award you something for two days out, as long as you have an on-call obligation, the company can change. So if they assign you a rotation and they want to change that and give you short call tomorrow rather than a rotation on Saturday, as long as you have an on-call obligation today, and as long as there's at least 18 hours between the time of notification and that new assignment, then they can change things as often as they want. Okay. So, so yes, they can throw some salt in your game a little bit. But again, if you get within that 24-hour window, you're automatically released for whatever was on your schedule at that time. And you have zero obligation to the company for anything, nothing whatsoever. Even if that 24-hour period falls on one or two on-call days or portions of them, you have zero obligation. So yes, if you have an on-call obligation to the company, they can certainly change your rotations just like they can now. So that's no different. The difference is now you have up to a 24-hour period, which you have no obligation to the company whatsoever. If crew scheduling slap something on your schedule by noon, then the old rules still apply, meaning they're under no obligation to contact you. They still marry, but there's zero obligation for the company to contact you. But also the pilot must ascertain if there is something on their schedule. Sure. However they used to do that. Yep. And then you can be made to report on your first on-call day no earlier than 10 a.m. Say that again, Frank. Okay, so... With Sean's example, as long as that rotation is on your schedule, on your non-fly day, by noon base time, you can be made to report the following day. After 10 a.m., but not earlier. Correct. Yep. Now, here's another thing about the reserves and about being released. Let's say in your previous example, Ryan, that, you know, today's Thursday, so you did get a notification for Saturday morning at 5 a.m. that you'd be flying. And they, and at Friday morning at 5 a.m., you're released for that 24 hours. And you see something that comes into open time, and that open time trip is for Friday evening. And instead of it being a four-day, it is now a two-day. You can submit a yellow slip for that rotation and be awarded that rotation, and you are protected for the higher value of the two rotations. It's kind of a new reserve with conflict, if you will, utilizing yellow slip. Okay, I think you just unlocked a strategic pot of gold, didn't you? But the reserve of conflict is actually January 1st of 2024. These are some complex things, and this could get confusing, especially for the reserve pilot. You know, white slip, green slip seems a little easier to understand, right? You could be awarded that two days prior. But if you're a long-call reserve pilot, and if you have questions, right, you're assigned something, and then they change it, and then you're inside of 24 hours, and you're released. If you have questions in the moment, how do I ask that question? Where do I turn to for your committee or crew scheduling? Well, I always advocate going to the company first because you should always go to the source first. So crew scheduling is giving you something in which you have a question about. I always advocate going to crew scheduling. They're better now, maybe not the best. They're much better now than they were in the past at answering their phones. If you can't get through, pilot assist, even though they're not schedulers, but they will walk over and talk with crew scheduling or your chief pilot. So there are several different conduits before you come to us. We're obviously always willing to help. If it's a simple question that requires no research, you're always welcome to call 1-800-USA-ALPA within normal business hours, which is 8 a.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern Monday through Friday. And you can ask for the scheduling committee and some of my staff members will answer the phone, but that's only for very generic 
quick questions. And if it requires any type of research, a pilot will be asked to submit an ACE inquiry or an ACE report, which, like I said, we have over a four month backlog right now. So the quickest and the most efficient and the best way is call crew scheduling, call your chief pilot. Uh, if it's a simple question, after you've talked with the company and exhausted all those conduits, 1-800-USA-ALPHA, you can speak to my staff members within normal business hours. Again, if it doesn't require any type of research, otherwise they're going to have to submit an ACE report, which is not a quick process. Right. Yeah. I understand that. And so again, if you're a reserve pilot and you're kind of in the spur of the moment, yeah, I mean, I always hesitate because crew scheduling and a chief pilot is probably not well-versed on the contract period and especially the new changes to the contract. So there's a grain of salt there, but I, my experience with crew scheduling is they've always been very cordial and very polite and willing to work with you, especially the supervisors. And you can kind of work through the new contract thing of like, Hey, I thought I was released 24 hours prior. You haven't, you put a new rotation on, like this doesn't check out and I bet you can work it out with them. But uh, yeah, 1-800-USA-ALPA and ask for the scheduling is, is also a great option. They can kind of piece that together. For these two things, Ryan, as well. And I agree with you, by the way, Just it's important for the pilots to understand that crew scheduling, crew tracking, the chief pilots, none of them are experts in the contract. You know, they can scratch the surface with FAR 117. None of them are contract experts and they're good people trying to do good things, but some of them will speak adamantly as though they might seem as though they are a contract expert. Just, just trust, but verify, right? Because they're not fully trained in the contract like we are. And before you call crew scheduling or before you call the chief pilot, have your ducks in a row and say, Hey, I'm reading scheduling alert 2306 from May 3rd of 2023. And it says here that I'm released 24 hours prior, or you can't change a rotation within that, or, you know, have that ready to roll and present that to the scheduler. And more likely than not, they're going to say, copy that we'll make it right. Absolutely. And I'll even add this shameless plug for our scheduling reference handbook, right? It's over 200 pages, so it's not a short document, but it's definitely broken down into pilot speak with lots of cool screenshots and pictures and things like that. Every one of our schedule alerts, we vet through the company first. So they're finding, then those are rolled into the SRH. It makes the rewrites very quick and it makes the review from the company side very quick. The SRH is just as binding as the contract, as the PWA, because it's a vetted document. We reference it all the time in arbitration and it's well within the pilot's right to reference it just as they would reference any contractual section to crew tracking, crew scheduling, or their chief pilot. Okay. That's a good reminder and good to know. Thanks for doing that. I want to sum up this 18 hour call out for, for reserve pilots. One is if you were assigned a rotation, when you've completed flying that rotation, reserve pilots are required to check their schedule prior to release from the current rotation, right? And you have to do that through iCrew. You can't do it through my crew app, but they can't assign you another trip or a short call earlier than 18 hours after the release from your current rotation under the same plan, right? Correct. But if you yellow slip or get a green slip or something earlier, then as long as there's FAR rest requirements, you can do that. But contractually now you get done with a rotation, you check your schedule. The earliest you can see something on there is 18 hours from that release. Right. That's correct. Right. Yeah. 
And so, so after the 30 minute window would be up FAR wise, you would be able to go all the way down to 10 hours. Okay. But yeah. As far as if you don't have any yellow slips in, if it's just, you know, business as usual, correct. 18 hours. Okay. Makes sense. All right. So we've talked uh, rotation coverage sequence and reserve 18 hour long call leash. What else is on your radar? What are some of the common questions or, or complaints that are coming into the scheduling committee? I'll start with a couple of things that I see often. The first one is the company using section 23 out of seven to, to bypass different steps of coverage. We, I don't know, Frank, how many hundreds of inquiries and reports per week on the, the company's use of 23 M7. J just a little bit of historical perspective, and I'm going to ask Frank to correct me 100%. This has really been a big issue for the last couple of years. The intent of 23M7 is essentially, it allows the company to skip certain steps of coverage. It doesn't allow them to skip pilots within a step of coverage. It allows the company to skip steps of coverage. And in the past, for many different reasons, but typically we only saw them use that for what we call emergency steps of coverage, which is really the last step of coverage that says any pilot in position. You know, it would be for that broken airplane that's in Honolulu that they need a local person to fly back to Atlanta or something like that. That's typically where we saw it in the past. We saw the jump in utilization in April. It's grown to where now there's thousands of pilots that write us each and every month about M7. So what we typically get is the company will begin the steps of coverage. They can attempt one step of coverage. So they might try recovery. They can try white slip. If they get nobody grabbing, then 23M7 currently allows them same day and next day after the 0700 PCS run to bypass all the steps of coverage to go to whatever step of coverage that they would like, assuming that they start and end one step of coverage previous to that. So what we've seen the company do is they have utilized 23M7 now almost exclusively to jump to the inverse assignment step of coverage. And so there's my, they're skipping green slip coverage, out of base stuff. Is that accurate and they're going straight yeah. to the inverse yep so so what we typically see is they'll attempt at least like the, let's just say the in-base white slip step of coverage right no eligible pilots or maybe the eligible pilots that they contact don't want that white slip because it's via arcos right so it's a proffer so instead of starting the green slip step of coverage they bypass green slips all together out of base wh whatever you want to go all the way directly to inverses and I believe that they're going to the inverse step of coverage because they're allowed to use the crew notification system, CNO, which is not Arcos, two different systems. Batch sizes only pertain to Arcos. They have nothing to do with CNO. So when the company goes directly to inverse assignment, they call every single eligible pilot in that category at one time. Because CNO allows it, there are no restrictions for CNO, unlike Arcos in batch sizes. So if there are 200 eligible pilots in that category, whatever category the company is trying to assign or award this rotation, it's going to call all of those pilots nearly simultaneously. And so they've been able to circumvent the batch size issue that has slowed them down. The average Arcos callout for the company right now is roughly 13 hours. So they're able to, to distill down instead of 13 hours. They can do a call out and get someone to call back to crew scheduling within minutes. So they have started to, we, we've seen it consistently where that's really their new playbook is going directly to inverse assignments. And in fact, 
Is there any recourse there? I mean, if you look at the uh, daily trip coverage and you say, man, I had a green slip in and I didn't get it. And somebody junior to me got it on an inverse assignment. Is there a recourse there? Well, the recourse is first, what am I going to say? Call crew scheduling, right? Call crew scheduling and ask. And the scheduler is going to say, we utilize 23M7 to skip that step of coverage, which is allowed. So by the contract, I'm going to keep my personal feelings outside of this, right? By the letter of the contract, nobody in the green slip step of coverage was harmed, except for the most senior eligible pilot, because what the company will do under 23M7, the company is required to pay single paying credit the senior most eligible pilot in the first step of coverage that they skip. So let's say in your example, they go through all the steps and they decided the green slip step of coverage. They're like, no, we're going to skip it and go to inverse assignment. They're going to pull a trip coverage report. They're going to find out who the most senior eligible pilot in the green slip step of coverage is. They will pay them and then they'll move on and they'll pay the inverse assignment pilot as well. So this is not cheap for the company. So let's say it's the inverse assignment ends up being a regular pilot which gets double pay, no credit for the inverse assignment. And they're going to pay single pay for the skipped green slip. Well, the company's paying triple pay to utilize 23M7. So they're not doing it. It's, an, it's not an economical reason. It's a business decision because they want to cover the trips. Yep. It sucks because we're at the end of the whip on this. And so here's typically what we get. We'll get several people at the top of the green slip list that will send us reports and say, this is baloney. The company never even attempted green slip step of coverage, which is true. Then it goes to inverse assignments. So here's how CENO works. CENO offers the rotations in inverse seniority order, but within millisecond, literally within millisecond. So it calls all eligible pilots in inverse seniority order within millisecond. Well, then it's a free-for-all. So everybody's contacted. And essentially the first person to call back and crew scheduling answer is who they give it to. So what happens is you'll get the most junior pilot, then write thus, or the, the handful of junior pilots, that say a senior pilot was assigned the inverse assignment. I should have been assigned it, but I was on hold with crew scheduling for 30 minutes. So for one single occurrence, crew scheduling utilizing 23M7, we probably get on average seven to 10 reports between the green slip guys that think they're remiss, the, I call it an abrogation of seniority for the green slip, an abrogation of juniority for <laughs> the assignments, and then someone in the middle inevitably writes us and says, I know it's not me, but can you check this out? Because it looks like the company missed sets of cards. See, I like that guy. I like the guy in the middle that's like, that's, that's not right. me, but you should snip this out. That's right. And we do. I mean, honestly, we do too, because this is a 100% manual process and there's no way to automate right now. There's no way to view this in any type of automation because it requires a scheduler. It's a 100% manual intervention, which should make you cringe a little bit or a lot of it. Yeah. And so there's no way for us to even interrogate, if we we're able to interrogate DBMS or anything like that, to be able to even see when crew scheduling utilizes us. And if they're paying pilots at all, and if they are paying pilots, if they're paying the right pilot. So it's extremely messy. They're utilizing it in large groups right now. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm seeing right now. I have a second one that I'll talk to in a bit, but I will stop talking and ask Frank to add it anything he wants to. I have a completely different bug in my craw, and that is guys calling in to volunteer to do flying for the company, not allowing the company to utilize the step coverage ladder. Yes. Circumventing seen, seniority. Correct. There are numerous, and it's a bunch, and obviously we can weed out 
the difference between inverse assignments and guys volunteering to do it right. I'm on social media and I've seen a couple of times where people have called out their fellow pilots on social media and say, hey, this guy called in, cold called in, and that was actually not the case. So I don't ever recommend calling out a pilot directly by name on social media. I just think that's poor form. Let pro stance handle it, let the scheduling committee handle it, let Delta handle it, but don't let's, as pilots, let's not call each other out. That's the first thing. The second thing is I have the ability to listen to the tapes and to pull the tapes and to listen to see individuals volunteering to pick up additional flying. And I've seen everything from a guy saying, hey, you know, I've got three days off here. I'm 20 minutes away. You guys got anything for me? Or, you know, coming back off a rotation, calling and say, hey, you know, I can consider myself still on a flight duty period. Do you have anything for me? So the guys are allowing the company to bypass steps of coverage. So, you know, the guy who was first in line for that white slip or the person who was first in line for that green slip, they're now never going to get the opportunity. It's never going to go to inverse assignment because the schedule is like, well, yeah, I'm going to protect schedule integrity. I'm going to utilize 23M7. This pilot is in position, ready to go, and they're going to assign that pilot the additional flying. You know, it's just, it's poor form for your fellow pilots. And uh, it's problematic. You shouldn't be doing it. You should not be picking up additional flying by you calling scheduling. Let the process work. Let's follow the seniority. Let's not abrogate seniority. What Frank said was 100% spot on. He was very nice about it. I'm going to be a little bit more brash. It makes me sick to know that a pilot is calling in to crew scheduling, asking for them to purposely violate the contract. Because that's exactly what these pilots are doing, is they're calling in purposely, knowingly asking crew scheduling to violate the contract. To the point where we've even had these same pilots that we have on a phone conversation, then subsequently have the audacity to write us and ask us for assignment pay because crew scheduling them a rotation in which we pull the tapes and they asked for it. So I would say that every pilot knows or should know, they should know their contract. There's not one single step of coverage under 23N or 23O that says a pilot can cold call scheduling and say, here I am, what you got? So they're going to find you a trip. That's exactly right. Exactly right. I take a very hard stance on this because like you and Frank already said it, this is a huge abrogation of seniority. We have a hard time reeling the company in as it is. And there are hundreds of pilots doing this. It's to the point where professional standards is overwhelmed. It really does make me angry, especially that these same pilots will then have the audacity to write us and say that they were harmed for asking the company to do it and the company allowed them. Right. Well, that gets my goose, but you two have covered it, so I won't pile on, but come on, everybody, do the right thing and don't abrogate seniority. You wouldn't want it to be done to you. Follow the contract, let the company do the same and knock it off. Well, well said. Yes, sir. I have one other thing that I would like to just briefly discuss well outside the structure of the June 2023 implementation. But if I may just add one more scheduling related thing, Ryan. Certainly. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know what this acronym is, then it doesn't apply to you. But for FRMS, the fatigue risk management system, which right now FRMS rotations are for 350s only. It's a 350 categories only. Right now, we're seeing a change in the way that scheduling has been assigning FRMS rotations. And there's a difference between a long call FRMS rotation 
and FRMS short call with an FRMS rotation assigned within that short call. Unless you're a 350 pilot, then just stop listening to this part because it's going to make no sense. But for the 350 pilots out there, I'm going to tell you that on your last X day, on your last non-fly day, remember you have no obligation to the company whatsoever, right? They can throw something on your schedule. There are certain parts of the contract that allow them to do that. They don't have to call you. That's completely illegal. Nothing says that you have to interrupt your last non-fly day to check that schedule. So let's say today is your last X day that ends at 2359 base time tonight. You have two options. You can, you can ascertain if something is on your schedule anytime. It doesn't break your rest or anything, right? So you can look it up today, but you're under no obligation to. But you're responsible for if the company puts something on your schedule, you're responsible to at least know about that assignment. That doesn't mean that assignment is legal. We hope it is, right? But it doesn't mean, so knowing it being fully PWA and FAR or FRMS compliant are two different things. If the pilot does not want to check their schedule, because the only required schedule check is what we talked about earlier in this podcast, the reserve pilot before release from the rotation. Otherwise, there's no required schedule check in the contract. If you're assigned an FRMS rotation under the long call step of coverage, and now you have less than 24 hours of rest before the schedule report of that rotation, it is illegal and you have a legal obligation to contact the company to tell them that you cannot fly that unless they delay it. But the best thing that they can do is remove that rotation. So what we've seen is an increase of scheduling, crew scheduling, fishing on a guy's last, last, last X day or last on fly day in hopes that a pilot will acknowledge or answer the phone and they're assigning them FMS short call. Under 117 and DAL 001, which is the FRMS guide, that's legal. Under the PWA, it is completely illegal. It is considered a fly now, agreed later. But I want to make a very distinct difference between the FRMS long call assignments, which are legal, that we've been seeing, the short call assignments that we've been seeing, and an uptick of illegal FRMS short calls. All right. So the takeaway. The 30-second takeaway is you have no obligation on your X days to be contactable by the company. If you check it at midnight and you have less than 24 hours, call the company and tell them that is illegal. Well, if you're not a 350 pilot and you're still with us, <laughs> this has been a scheduling implementation for June. I kind of just let you go there. What, thanks for covering all that. Again, we've been talking uh, June 1st implementation for rotation coverage sequence is changing. Reserve a call out 18 hour long call leash is changing. We talked to 23 M seven violations and stop doing it. And then some 350 specific stuff. So thanks very much for all that. I do want to draw attention again to all the scheduling alerts. This one in particular is 2306. It's in the, the company iPad under the Alpa folder and scheduling committee. Those are binding documents reference those. There's a lot of good examples in there. And a lot of what ifs. So take a look at that. It's on the iPad. It's on alpha.org slash DAL. You can find those. If you subscribe to the emails, it's on there. I'll link it to the description of this podcast, but stay up to snuff on that. I know contract stuff is difficult to read. The PWA itself, we're not lawyers. We get it, but read these alerts. They're chock full and the scheduling reference handbook, a great resource for all pilots that you can reference to crew scheduling, the chief pilot, et cetera. So Sean Kellett, 
and Frank Wedding, both of the scheduling committee. We've had you on before. It's always great to have you back. August is going to be another major milestone for contract implementation. We'll do this again. You can expect that towards the mid to end of July. And in the meantime, I do want to give a shout out to Frank Wedding. He's been elected to be a member of the negotiating committee, which I think you're going to do a wonderful job there, Frank. I look forward to having you in the chair there. So I just want to say thanks for your work in scheduling. Thanks for your work to the union of the pilot group. And it's certainly been a pleasure working with you in this capacity. And it's going to be awesome having you on in the capacity of a negotiator. So Frank, cheers to you. Thanks for that. Over to you, Sean. Yeah. You know, Frank and I have been friends for years. He's been my vice chairman for the last two years as I've been the chairman. And I couldn't do what I do without him. He is an invaluable part of this scheduling family. And I cannot imagine a better addition to the negotiating committee. Looking forward to the great things that Frank will do in the future. It's a bittersweet day because I think this will probably be the last scheduling podcast, maybe. Certainly not the last podcast with Frank, but he's going to be, he's going to be missed up here. And, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll say it in front of 16,000 pilots, no one will ever know that the sacrifices and the selfless dedication that Frank and other volunteers as well, but that Frank has exhibited over the last several years here on the scheduling committee and what he's about to embark on as a negotiator. Nearly 16,000 of us, me included, owe him a huge debt of gratitude because he's had huge impacts on the contract, the past contract, and uh, and I'm going to miss Frank. I love him like a brother. I really do. And uh, I, But I knew he was going to do great things. Got, got some pretty big shoes to fill down there. Frank, do you want to say anything? It's been an absolute pleasure working for Sean on the committee uh, as the vice chairman the last two years. So he's been a great boss. You know, the guys that we work with, we're a team. You know, with the success of us is because of our team. We have a great group of guys, 23 folks on the scheduling committee, and we work our butts off. I'm not going very far, so I'm, you guys are still stuck with me. I'm going to be hanging around as a negotiator, and I look forward to the next few years and see what the future brings us. Very good. Thanks again, both to you, Sean Kellett and Frank Whiting in the scheduling committee. Thanks so much. Appreciate what you do. Thanks for having us, Fred. Thanks, Ryan. This has been Engage, the podcast from Delta Pilots. Thanks for listening. My name is Ryan Argenta. Stay safe and keep the rubber on the road. You're listening to Engage, the podcast for Delta Pilots. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform, and receive notifications when a new episode is available.